What's up, guys? Total Beverage still has a fantastic deal running for the DNVR fam, that being 30% off purchases between $25 and $75 when you use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. And as you probably know by now, Total Bev delivers to most of the Denver metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton. And they have some of the lowest prices in the state. Plus they even offer CBD products now as well. Don't let this offer pass you by order today and receive 30% off your purchase of 25 to $75 and you can get it delivered to your front door. Cheers. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call JT Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand varieties of beer as well as wines from around the world and fine single malts and rare whiskeys too. You can download their app today and use promo code FIRST10 to receive 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. That offer ends in just 10 days. In the end of January, that offer goes away, so get on on top of it while you still can that's first 10 as the code to get 10 percent off your purchase of 25 dollars or more i'm nathan rudolph he's aj hayfley yes this is an avalanche podcast but the avs are officially on their 10 day break and there was some much more interesting news in the denver sports world today as larry walker officially made it into the MLB Hall of Fame or National Baseball Hall of Fame, I suppose, is the official name. And it was a celebratory moment as DNVR did have a watch party. AJ and I were both there. I think both of us grew up watching the Rockies quite a bit. So yeah. it was kind of an awesome moment. Uh, I cried in public. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> it's funny to watch the several videos that were recorded. <clears throat> um. Of the of the party that we were at, different like all the reaction and stuff. Yeah, because everybody was jumping up and down except me, who just sat there motionless. And I look like a robot, except if you could have seen my face, you would have seen that I was like shocked. <laughs> and and then spent the next ten minutes like very quietly, like bawling my eyes out uh, because I was just I was so I was so shocked. Yeah, I did not think it was going to happen. Uh, it did, and I I still can't believe it. Uh, I'm gonna get all choked up thinking about it again. I'm I I am so in the last 48 hours, the Avalanche have smoked the Red Wings, embarrassed the Red Wings, and the Red Wings are absolutely atrocious. And Larry Walker was inducted in the Hall of Fame. It has been a phenomenal 48 hours. Um, there is much light in my life right now. I am. Just thrilled. <laughs> Good times at the All-Star break. This, these are the golden eras that you talk about in life. They are. And these two days. Two whole days of a golden era. <laughs> two days. <laughs> I've been sick for like 80, 80% of the season. And been fighting off like uh, like problems left and right. And I finally start to get healthy. The abs dominate Detroit. It's so amazing. And then Larry Walker is inducted into the Hall of Fame. I am taking my 48-hour win, and I am going to the bank because it was awesome. It, uh, it's it been a good couple of days into the All-Star break. Uh, certainly a whole lot of joy going on in DNVR land right now. Mm -hmm. I did want to 
expand this a little bit to the rest of of Denver sports on the whole and depending on a couple of things mm-hmm. i'm curious what your take is on is this the best that all four of the big four sports teams in colorado have been at the same time i think there are certainly a couple eras that will give them a run for their money you have the late 90s when obviously the broncos were on top of the world and the avs were one of the best teams in the nhl Mm -hmm. but the nuggets were terrible then the Rockies were not particularly good either. And granted, the Rockies are coming off of a very down year, but I think there's a lot of optimism there. And the kind of same thing can be said about the Broncos as well. Um, I think that it's tough because the Rockies um, have only been uh, really good just a couple of times. And not really overextended stretches either. You, like 2007 and 2009 are the closest they've been to having multiple years in a row of quality play, really. Yeah. Um, and then, like, they made the playoffs in the last two years, right? Before before the 2019 disaster. Right. And that was yeah. the first time they'd ever done that. Uh, but, like, if you if you look at, like... In in an era that is going to be tough, um, the late '90s is definitely in there. Um, like 1996, 97. Yeah, uh, 97 is when Walker won the MVP. Um, and uh, obviously the Abs and Broncos were both fantastic. Uh, the Nuggets were god awful. Yep, just terrible. Uh, but the Rockies were 500. And that's probably as close as we're going to get Um, because like, and like right now, if you look at it, um, the abs are good. The nuggets are good. We're not a hundred percent sure how good. Uh, And then uh, the Broncos won seven games, which just a game below 500. So they're okay. And then uh, the Rockies were just terrible, but I think that they have I think the Rockies have major bounce back potential for at least to at least be like a 500 team. And I think that this next season, I think 2020, uh the Rockies say the Rockies go 500, which I don't think is a particularly like super optimistic viewpoint. Um that's such a young roster still that they could they could all have bounce back potential, right? The Nuggets finish up their season, they win 50 games. Uh, the Avs are a top four seed out and out in the Western, uh, out in the West. Um, let's say top three seed, um, because being like the fourth best team in the West just means that you're on the road. Um, so say that they host a first round playoff series and the Nuggets host a first round playoff series. The Rockies go 500 and the Broncos improve exactly one whole game to 500. It might be the first time in Denver sports history that all the teams have been 500 at the same time. Yeah. So we could be like right in the goal, entering like a golden ish era of Denver sports. And I think the amazing part is, is that each franchise has a hall of fame talent at the same time. And I don't know that that has ever happened before because the abs have Nathan McKinnon and, uh, Kale McCarr, and then maybe like a Miko Rantanen, right? Um, and that's obviously projecting a ton of pressure on Kale McCarr to call him a Hall of Fame talent for 40 games into his NHL I mean, career. he's off to a real Hall of fame start to his career. <clears throat> right, so. and he looks he looks so special. Yeah. And then the Nuggets have Nikola Jokic, and in the same way that Kale McCarr is off to an amazing start, Michael Porter Jr. is yep. off to the kind of start where you're like, this could be a top 15 player in the league. Uh, and, and then the, you know, the Broncos have Vaughn Miller and, you know, who knows what drew Locke and Phil Lindsay has already accomplished things that no undrafted player ever has. Corlin Sutton is a star in the making. Like the Broncos have some high end talent, but they, you know, outside of Vaughn Miller may not have like a hall of fame talent right um, that is still emerging there. Um, and then the Rockies obviously are about to screw everything up with their hall of fame talent in Nolan Arenado. Yeah, but well, even if they do that, the things that Trevor Story has accomplished in his uh, already in his career 
have put him on a path to be a very, very rare uh, specimen as a shortstop in baseball. So we're talking the, the talent in Colorado sports right now is amazing. This has turned into like a mini TDSP. It, it kind of is. It, it'll be one only one segment of this only, I promise. But I, I thought it was worth talking about that it, it is really a special time in Denver sports. And this is the type of of era that this is how you breed a new generation of fans. Yep, 100%. In, this is how you convert all those people who have moved here from St. Louis and Chicago and California and Texas and instead of instead of them growing up Cubs fans, you know, or them growing up Blackhawks fans, they grow up watching Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and they're like, uh, no, thank you. I'm good on Jonathan Taves, old man Taves and old man Duncan Keith fighting in practice. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an abs fan. Sorry. Now, of course, it would help if they were on television to make that happen, but that's a different thing. The minor, minor problem to the to the whole thing, but but yeah, right. Like in an era where it's easier than ever to be able to pick a sports team not based on location, but just by whoever you want to watch. The Denver sports teams are quickly becoming teams that everyone wants to watch. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, really, the Broncos, I think, are the only one that have a hard a hard sell. Yep. Like the Rockies, the Rockies are owned by an apathetic ownership group that sucks. And they have a terrible GM that uh, is laying waste to the entire fan base right now. And all of us at the watch party agreed tonight. We were all going to spend all summer at Coors Field anyway. Yeah. Millions of people are still going to show up. Right. Like they play every, they play, you know, every day. And if they're in town, you know, they, they spend, they have what, uh, it's a 162 games in a season. Yeah, 81 yeah, games at yeah, home. 81 games at home. That's almost three full months worth of the summer, uh, between April and the end of September that you spend at Coors Field and Coors Field is arguably the most beautiful baseball facility in the country. And it's, it's just, it's amazing. It it sucks. You hate to give money to those, to the, to the ownership group and to support the franchise, but it's what you do in Denver in the summer. There are, there are just very few things living in Denver that are better than an evening at Coors Field, beer on the party deck, beer in the stands with, with good friends, just Colorado sunset. It's Colorado it's just, sunset, 75 degrees. Perfect. Per, perfect temperature arena food you could ever want. Exactly. And it's a, and it's a smorgasbord. It's a, it's a pick your disease, right? Yep. Like pick your cholesterol killing food and you got it. Coors field has course. The the Rockies, it's unfortunate the Rockies are owned by people that don't care because they have the perfect setup. They have no competition for uh, for the dollar during the summer in terms of other pro sports, unless you count the Denver Outlaws, um, which I'm not. Yeah. Um, just because it's not, it's not really competition. You can, you can easily do both in the same day. Like, it's not a problem. Um, and there's... Just few things in Denver quite as amazing as an evening at Coors Field. Even hard, if you don't like baseball. Hard to argue with that. I know plenty of people that go to games that they couldn't even tell me two players' names on the Rockies, and they still yeah. have a blast. So You go and you get that, that fresh-squeezed lemonade, which is so good, and you just sit out in the outfield with your pals, and you just, you know, you just, you're just hanging out, living life, and just experiencing joy it's just yep. joy and then if if you happen to get an entertaining rockies game then you happen to get an entertaining rockies game and that's great double bonus yeah also something that brings me joy is breckenridge brewery and something you can drink at rockies games it's it, exactly that you can find breckenridge brewery at rockies games you can find them at abs and nuggets games i don't know if they have it at 
Mile High because I've never actually been to Mile High, but they might. Either way, <laughs> you can find Breckenridge Brewery, whatever type of beer you're into, they have one for you, and it's likely at your local liquor store. So <laughs> it's like a love letter to Coors Field, and then we're like, "Yeah, Mile High exists." I'm, I'm it's all right. Actually, <laughs> I've actually been there, but I mean, that's the, not the tailgates on the outside are dope. I've been to Mile High, but that was like 15 years ago. So <laughs> I I wasn't drinking Breck Brew back then. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Um, but yeah, local liquor store or the Breckenridge event calendar on the DNVR. If you're paying attention, that was how you could have signed up for this baseball hall of fame watch party that we had. If you missed out, you missed out big time. The videos on Twitter are pretty dope. If you haven't seen them, everybody lost their minds. It was awesome. Either way, it was, it was awesome because none of us believed it was going to happen. Right. Not a single person in that room thought he was getting in, but we will be back with more something in period two. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We're talking about the abs, actually, in this segment. At least somewhat. We'll see. We might get off track <laughs> because it's it's just that time of the season. It's spring break is how I'm... Right. I'm <laughs> spring break for us. <laughs> It is spring break, at least if you're a hockey fan. But I did want to talk about kind of the Avs and what they've built, particularly in this past offseason. We talked about it on the last show. It's crucial for the Avs to have guys like Kadri, to have guys like Burakovsky produce for them. That's what they were brought in to do, and that's why they are a better team than they were last season. But at the same time, we can still take those guys and we can compare them to what the Avs gave up. There's a significant sample size of the season to do that with. So I wanted to take a look, especially with the Kadri trade. Uh, pretty much everyone agreed that, you know what, this was a trade that both teams can win on. The Leafs, of course, the major parts of this trade are Kadri, Barry, and Kerfoot. Kelly Rosen is in there as well. but. Kadri, Barry, and Kerfoot are the big three. So that's what mm. I wanted to look at first. Kerfoot with the Leafs has played 44 games on the season, has eight goals and 11 assists for 19 points. It's uh, obviously on paper, Kadri with 31 points is is been a significantly better forward there. Uh, if you look at Tyson Barry, he's come around a lot lately and in, in this second half of the season or, or whatever you want to call it, but got off to a very slow start to the year as well. 27 points in 49 games for him. Just four goals, though. Obviously, it's probably too early to say that either team won the trade, but it certainly seems like there has been a lot more adjusting to be done for the Avs that went to the Leafs here. Uh, how do you mean? Kadri came in and was able to pretty quickly fit into the Avs system and, and fall into their second line and, and produce in a way that the Avs have needed him to. He's on a just shy of 60 point pace, just shy of 30 goal pace for them. Kerfoot, Granted, has dealt with a few injuries this year, but he's not really producing at even a 40-point pace, which is what he hit with the Avs both years. A little and different then, role for him, too. It is. It is, but... It's kind of it, like when the Avs got Kadri and people were upset uh, because they were like, oh, they got a guy who just scored 16 goals last season. And it was like, yeah, true, he did, but he was playing third-line center. And... Um, you know, with Kerfoot, uh, you know, he he was a guy that like his role, I think, last year was bigger. Oddly enough, his ice time is exactly the same right now as it was last year with the abs. Um, but I think that he's not getting his, you know, quite the quite the plum assignment that he got last season. Yeah, doesn't get random shifts next to Nathan McKinnon and the like. <laughs> And it's hard to put him on a um, a power the play. Power play, yeah. With yeah. when you can go Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, <laughs> and I think that's where that's where the points have really been different for him. Because if you look at it, um, 
last year he had 16 power play points. This year he has three. three. Yeah. So that's that's where you're like, hey, 19 points in 44 games. He's just a little bit behind that 40-point pace. But um, if he finishes with 37 points instead of the 42 he had last year, but 33 of them are at even strength, I think Toronto will probably be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I, I would say that's fair. I, the weird part is, is him going from being really good at faceoffs last year to being to bad brutal. again. Yeah. I wonder if that's kind of a matchup thing as well there. Especially yeah. because you you talk about bottom six centers, right? And and that's like a skill that a lot of bottom six centers <laughs> can just focus on and get good at. Yeah, a thing that they're all supposed to excel at. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, well, it's a thing we do, but it's supposed to be something they're actually like legit good at. You can't just get away with being bad at it because you don't score 100 points a season. <laughs> right. So and, and now all of a sudden he's like going up against guys where like this is how they get paid every year. Right. I <laughs> know I win 55% of my faceoffs. That's right. just part of the deal. Yeah, that's if I, if I don't do that, I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting my Pierre L. Belmar free agent contract. Right. <laughs> you know, instead of 1.8 million over two years, if he had won 47% of his faceoffs last year, they had to give him a one year deal of like 1.2 million. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. Win your face-offs, kids. Get paid. (laughs) Easy money. Just got to be good at face-offs. You don't even have to be good at the game. Uh, Another player the Avs traded who is not particularly good at face-offs is Carl Soderberg. Now, this one is a bit more convoluted (laughs) because the Avs traded Soderberg essentially for a pick in Kevin Connaughton. But you can kind of talk yourself into the fact that the Avs use that pick to trade Burakov for Burakovsky. Right, and it's you can't have the conversation about the Soderbergh trade without it being centered around Burakovsky. Right. Because that was the whole point. Yep. They to, they got the asset they needed, which was a second round pick, to go and get Andre Burakovsky from Washington. And Burakovsky, 15 goals, 18 assists, 33 points in 46 games. Soderbergh, 13 goals, 14 assists, 27 points in 51 games with Arizona. I th- This seems like a total win for Colorado to me. Obviously, they ended up giving up a second and a third round pick as well, so you have to factor that in. But they Easily took a guy, right, they took a guy who's going to be a free agent and turned it into a what looks to be a second line NHL player for them likely for years to come, assuming contracts get worked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, definitely that's, this is a, uh, this has worked out great for them. Um, one is one year of Carl Soderberg that they exchanged for, um, Potentially four, five, six it's, of Burkowski. Right, but also three years of Kadri and not like the same deal, but like this is all part of the sure construction the two, of it. The second that, line center spot, yeah. Exactly. Their two C went from a, a guy in his mid thirties with one year's one year left, and they adjusted that to uh a mid twenties top six forward having a career year. Uh, and a bona fide, proven 29-year-old 2C with three years left on his deal. Uh, so they, they the, the combination of the moves together, they did excellent in, in the adjustment of it. Uh, and then, you know, when you consider Tyson, the, okay, now they've moved Tyson Berry off the blue line. Okay, well, they have to replace that production. The hope was Sam Gerrard and Kale McCarr will do that. They've already done that. Yeah, in hindsight, it turns out Kale McCarr was fully capable of replacing 100% of that production. <laughs> right, but we talked about over the summer, hey, if Gerard and McCarr can replicate the 59 points that they got from Barry between the two of them, you'll take that. Yep. And after 49 games, Sam Gerard has 26 points and Kale McCarr has 37. They've already accomplished that goal. Right. 
it's they're, so they're already over 60 points they're fine it's all gravy now right like they're they've already they've made tyson berry's production irrelevant pretty much and not to mention the the additions of ryan graves and ian cole's magical ability <laughs> to get secondary assists but right and then and then you consider okay the increased in the the, the improved secondary scoring you know, oh, it was too top heavy last year. Well, now, I mean, Nathan McKinnon is almost double uh, Kale McCarr's points. Uh, Miko Rantanen, you know, obviously the injuries play a big role in this. Miko Rantanen still on a point per game pace. But the big thing is, is that their second line guys, the guys that you would say are their second line when fully healthy. 49 games played going into the all-star break. They're sitting at 33 points, 31 points and 29 points. Yep. That's the big, that's the big change uh, because it was like, Oh, well, where are you going to replace the 150 points that you lost between Barry Kerfoot and Soderberg? And they've done it. They've done it. They've done it easily. And they have um, done it in a way that is repeatable for the next several years. Right. Unlike just a one off. Which is what another year of Soderbergh and what another another year of Barry most likely would have been, given that they're heading into free agency and certainly in Barry's case was going to get a hefty, hefty raise. It will be really interesting to see what his market turns out to be now. Yeah, it, it could be a little bit all over the place. But, I mean, just because it was proven, okay, it's not gonna work with everyone. With with how it worked with Mike Babcock, so it's not it's not like you can just drop him into any team in any role and say, okay, well we're, we've got Tyson Berry now. This is going to work. He is going to, and he should also have learned a lot from that. In that, when he selects his next team, he needs to find one that's got the fit, that has the money that he wants, has the term, but is also going to give him an opportunity to thrive in kind of the freelancer rover role in which he was at his, his best style, right yeah and yeah i mean the the easy pick i think still might be vancouver there to be honest with you the, you know i they just don't have the money that's uh hockey teams find ways to to get the money in a it's, lot of it's cases. true it's i mean you buy guys out you trade guys you eat salary and in, in deals you know you make a bad deal to save money you do whatever but i mean just as of right now um, they just, they don't, they don't have that money. Um, it's, you know, they also don't have a starting goaltender for next year. So they have, uh, they have a lot of question marks that they're for Vancouver and, you know, what well, they're going to do. I just wanted to bring it here so I could say that when Quinn Hughes doesn't win the Calder, his contract will be a touch cheaper. So, you know, I am... Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to be so fascinated by those deals. Yeah. I mean, between him and Makar. Yeah. Right. Uh, because you expect both of them are going to be like, okay, well, Thomas Shabbat is on the starting point because (laughs) Thomas Shabbat, 80 points after two seasons, offensive defenseman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the reasons that we've talked about why Thomas Shabbat is the, the measuring stick for these guys. Yep. Um, because he's the ceiling now he's the very tip top. And both guys look like they're going to be even better than Shabbat. So that's why we're talking about him as the, the contract. Um, so that you you start from there with both guys, but it's like, where do they end up? And do they wait for the other guy to sign or do they just take a deal that they're comfortable with? What would you that, do? If you were Kale McCarr, would you wait for Quinn Hughes to sign? Uh, I no. I I can't even like fathom the understanding of this. Like, if someone said, "Here is a seven by seven, even if I was worth like twelve million by by my play, I wouldn't know any better." Like, forty nine million dollars is something I would take in a heartbeat, no matter what. I mean, imagine, imagine though, like realistically, like you are you're in Makar's position, not with your life experience where you've been poor before, you know, <laughs> where you're coming out of college worth millions of dollars already, and you're earning, you're earning maybe ten percent of what you're actually worth. 
Yeah. For the next two years. Um, like realistically, like, would you, you're starting at 8 million by, by eight years. So you're starting at, you know, you're not starting at no four, you're starting at 64 mil here. Um, would you, would you wait for Hughes to sign us? I mean, assuming that like their numbers continue to stay close sure, and yeah, that they yeah. remain very comparable. comparable. Yeah. If he ends up blowing them away by 25 points, then it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you're irrelevant, bud. Yeah, like whatever Quinn Hughes is doing. I don't, I don't care about. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I would. I, given what I know about Kale McCarr, if look, he has offered you offer Kale McCarr eight year an eight year deal at nine million this summer, should he take it? Um, maybe. I, knowing again what I know about Kale McCarr, he's clearly a fairly loyal person. Sticking at UMass, it's true. Wanting to leave an impact or a legacy as it were there. And I think he wants to do the same thing here in Colorado. Uh, Look, if the player thinks that he can make more money by betting on himself and putting the contract off another year, more power to him. But just in the reality of the NHL, I don't know how you get that much bigger of a contract by adding that next year. If you really, really want to make it absurd dollars, you take a bridge and then you get paid uh, insanely on the next contract. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would take the bridge. A bridge, a bridge implies that you're taking a monetary discount. I think I would do a, an eight year deal worth more than whatever Shabbat is like nine or 10 million. And then knowing that his next contract will happen before he's 30 and look at Eric Carlson. Yeah, right. He's right. Talking, Kale McCarr has a chance to earn $200 million in his career legitimately. The Right. The next contract is where you make the silly, just absurd money is, is what I'm saying. So that's where I you're sure you're taking a monetary discount right now. If you take a bridge, but then you're going to get a dumbly gigantic contract and you're going to get another one after that, even if you are 2930 when that one comes up. Yeah. But then you're. Um, then you're you're fighting the 30 stigma. You are. It's give and take either way, right? You either have to go off of two years of production, essentially, to get that to make a decision on a contract there. Yeah. Or you like have what? To- what are what are like your perceived numbers here? So you take like a two year bridge for what, like six million, seven million? That's seven, yeah. And then what? An eight year deal for like twelve million? Right, something like that. Okay. And then the next contract is, and, and then the next contract you're rolling the dice a little bit as in your 30s that you get, uh, what a five year deal, six year deal, yeah, another five year or something for like, I mean, versus the eight year deal that you might get as a 28 year old, right? I guess, I guess, what's more valuable if you were trying to maximize the money that you earn in your career, what's more valuable, the bridge deal, and then the next contract, which will definitely be more than the one, the post DLC deal, but you get to, or that second big contract. Exactly. Yeah. Because you'll have more UFA years in your twenties of that deal, starting in that deal, kind of like what Miko Rantanen is doing. Right. Because six years, you know, with the six year deal, uh, you know, he will, he will have a, a second big contract that yep. he gets. Because uh, of his age when that deal expires. Right. So I guess I mean, in, in the, when we always talk about these deals, we do this without knowing player priorities. You can assume things based on based on personalities and like what you know about them. But you never really know until it comes contract negotiation time. Right. I, for all we know, uh, Kale McCarr could sign his contract want to get to free agency as soon as possible so he can go home to Calgary. Like, <laughs> Don't say that. I don't think that's reality, but I don't know for that. sure. 
and that's a problem for 2028 anyway so <laughs> yeah i'm just uh i just think it's interesting because player priority is like the x factor here yeah so, for sure. like we saw mckinnon and landis Cog, both of those guys signed their deals early they signed them immediately they signed them without any issues whatsoever right they wanted it done they wanted some security for sure right and they were totally okay with that um you know miko had to wait and i think miko probably had to wait uh i I think miko had to wait a little bit because he was in a unique market as well um and he wasn't he wasn't going to get nine million on july 1st you know right and yeah, it's he had to I wait mean, for some of that to play out a little bit for for him to get the money that he ended up being content with. Yeah, it's there were comparables for Miko, yeah. right? And and that's why the the Quinn Hughes McCarr conversation is there because <laughs> because like there will not be a statistical comparison for right. both guys. There will be you know, Thomas Shabbat, 80 points in two years. There will be Ivan Provorov. Uh, those guys will have, you know, maybe Rasmus Dahlin. Um, you know, maybe he signs this summer uh, when he's eligible for an extension. You know, it's who knows, right? But it's 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 going to be like just a truly just a fascinating um evolution of that particular market because the defenseman market is always lagged behind forwards. And uh, I think with the elite of the elite, it's starting to catch up a little bit. So there will be temptation for McCarr to go for 10 million on his post DLC deal. There very well could be uh, this segment has period even has ran very, very long. So it's time we take our second intermission here and tell you guys about Denver Rubber Company. Denver Rubber Company is one of the most reliable local partners for your long-term projects here in Denver since 1972. They can make pretty much anything you can imagine out of rubber, whether it's die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, custom hoses, and wow, there hasn't been much snow yet. Every year, every single year in February, March, and April, this state always gets dumped on by snow. And Denver Rubber Company will have you covered even with snow plow blades that they can custom cut to any size and pre-slot to your exact specifications. They can pretty much do whatever you need, whether that's doing a smaller size or a larger size. And they have a very unique way of making them that means that they're actually double-sided. So when one side wears down, all you have to do is flip it over and you can just continue using the same snowplow rubber. You're good to go. Go ahead and check them out. You can either call them at 1-800-259-0010 or go to drcfirst.com slash DNVR and they will take care of you. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's. This has nothing to do with spring break, but uh, AJ, you threw the tweet out there. And the most interesting thing I've seen so far is what is your favorite cheeses? Um, I've kind of been on a cheese awakening over the last like year, but, uh, I would say sharp cheddar. That's a cheese awakening. And you hit me with like the most basic <laughs> cheese. That there like, is. like I've been, go- I've been enjoying exploring new cheeses and all that. But like at the end of the day, like you still have like an old favorite that you lean on. Right. That's like, fair. Like just because I found new things that I like doesn't mean one of them has taken over, and that has not happened. Sharp cheddar is is it, it used to be Kojak cheese uh, for years and years and years, and then it switched to sharp cheddar. Now I eat sharp cheddar with everything. So good. I have always really, really liked Gouda. It's so good, dude. It really is. I love Gouda. Like okay, when uh, when Baby Bell started making those like Gouda cheese rind things, the little baby cheese circles, mm, like not familiar, but okay. Uh, you've never seen those at the at the grocery store where they're literally like individually wrapped in plastic, and then like 
uh, wax, and then inside is just like a little circle of cheese. And they like changed my entire life when I could just like it was culturally allowed for me to just eat Gouda cheese by huh. itself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I do not not familiar at all. Wow. All right. I, I tell you, we're going to the uh, we're going to be at the office tomorrow. Um, That's true. Bring that. Bring I'll that. By. Bring in a baby bell good around. <laughs> Show you what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> the, the spring break is going to be the best. Dope spring break. Forget Cabo. We're the DNVR office is where it's at. That's, that's right. Just various spots around Denver. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, getting back to an abs conversation, one that we actually started at this Hall of Fame event. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon obviously has been absurdly instrumental in the abs as a whole, but this year in particular, nearly doubling up the next highest score on the abs in Kale McCarr. It's been a one-man show on the offensive side on far too many nights. And sure, some of that comes down to the Avs were injured. Some of that comes down to it was just McKinnon going off. But as we move into the second half of the year, I think I know what the answer is, but what is the biggest problem to solve on the offensive side and why is it Miko Rantanen? <laughs> I mean, just getting Miko ranted in back to the quality of play that we've seen from him the last two full seasons. Yep. We talked last segment, I told you he had 34 points in 33 games. And I think that was that would probably shock some people because he has not played well. I mean, he did not play well yesterday against Detroit. He ended up with two assists. Right. He seems to find his way to points. Yeah, I mean, some of that is Detroit being Detroit. The red on their jerseys is actually their, like, Santa outfit. And they're just (laughs) constantly in the season of giving. So you can understand why he got those two points. But he finds his way to points against actual NHL teams, too, even when he's not playing well. Picked up an assist against St. Louis the game before. And he just was not good. Right. And it was – and the the assist against St. Louis was funny because – it was a great example of him not being good. He had a grade A scoring chance that literally just skittered away from him. And Sam Gerard happened to make the most of it. But it he's he has struggled. Uh, and it's hard not to point to the money, um, the new contract, and say he let his guard down a little bit. He got a little comfortable. He started seeing those paychecks on a million contract instead of a $900,000 contract. And not that, not that he was broke, but after four years of making the same money and not quite a million dollars, you know, this by, by this point in the season, he's already made more money this year than he had the last four years combined. So you're talking about a guy that, you know, money has an effect on people and you would be lying to say that it didn't. And this is purely speculation on my on my part that this might be why he's not playing very well, but he might have gotten a little self-satisfied. We see it with young players all the time. They sign that contract, and they're just not quite the same that first year. They get it back a lot of – most of the time they get it back together, and they go out and they resume being phenomenal in their career. A perfect example of this is William Nylander. We saw the impact, the holdout, and everything that had on him last year took its toll. He was not good, has come back this year, and is on pace for a 30-plus goal season and almost 80 points. The exact guy that the Maple Leafs thought they were getting when they signed him. Right. And with Miko, he needs to go back to being that reliable horse up front. I guess Moose up front. (laughs) Um for for the avalanche offense you know but nathan mckinnon what we're seeing right now is probably an all-time great avalanche season it's on pace to be one of the the top three av seasons of all time yep and given given the two hall of famers he's competing with that is extremely impressive what mckinnon is doing right now but he needs a little bit of help uh miko definitely needs to step up gabe landis very much needs to step up 
Landeskog, you know, I think he's got what fourteen goals, something like that, this year. With the empty netter the other night, yeah, I think so. And, and like a lot of these are tips, like he has been. How many assists do you think uh, Gabe Landeskog has right now? Uh, not like fifteen or something. Eight. Ooh, that's way low. He has eight. Yeah, that's brutal. For context, his career low in assists, not counting the second season, his second year when he uh, had the concussion and only played 36 games. That was also eight, by the way. But 16-17 with the 48-point abs, he had 15 assists that year. Right now, he has 33 games played and eight assists. Man, hockey is insane. Ian Cole has 19 assists. Gabe Landeskog has eight. <laughs> Gabe Landeskog had 41 assists last season. Yep. And in his career, if you if you average up all the healthy seasons, because again, throw out the 36 uh, game, he has had at least 30 assists in every single season of his NHL career, except the 16-17 season and the say his second season. All the others, he's gotten to at least 30 assists. He has been Mr. Reliable in that way. And right now, that is not happening. It's not even close. Most of those years, he's hitting 35 assists even. Yeah. And you're sitting there with eight. Uh, He's gotten plenty of playing time alongside the absurdly hot Nathan McKinnon as right. well. So. He's he's I think he has played I would have to check, but I believe he has played more next to McKinnon than Miko has. I think definitely there was that stretch where they moved Miko down to the third line even. They moved Miko all over the place. Right. Scott continued on. Yep. So that's yeah, it's that's brutal. man. You so got to find a way to some points. Right. He needs to find his way to Points that are not him standing in front of the net, tipping pucks, or putting in an empty netter. Yep. Because that's basically, that's probably 70% of his points this season. I mean, and I'm looking at it here. Last season, the 41-point season, he had 27 power play points. This year, he has eight power play points. So maybe he's one of the ones suffering the most from the Avs power play woes. And maybe maybe the Avs power play woes are existing because Landis Cog is not producing. Very possible. It's the chicken and the egg. You don't know which one's which. Definitely, definitely. But you know that they're both happening uh, at the same time. Right. So... The the three headed monster is has not been so three headed basically, and and that's not to say they've been completely invisible. Both Landeskog and Rantanen are still very good players. Rantanen will pop up with a random hat trick. Landeskog had a two point night against Pittsburgh in in the game the Avs came up a little bit short in, but would have lost outright without Landeskog contributions there. Yeah, so it's <laughs> been good, but not. Great. And as much as I want to believe McKinnon will just never run out of gas and have a 120-point season, he needs the wingers to step up. Yep. He needs help. I mean, no one player is going to take a team to not just the postseason, because we did see that two years ago, but... Beyond that, I mean, yep. you're not going to get out of a first round if Nathan McKinnon's all you have. It, it consistently, the... like we we gave credit last last segment to last period to, uh, you know, Kadri and Donskoy and Burakovsky for all being worth the offseason investments and and being good pickups and worthwhile, et cetera, et cetera, blah 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 blah, all that good stuff. But you still need top level production. Those guys have all been great secondary you know, complimentary offensive pieces. You still need your, your leaders to lead. Yeah. I mean, I would say Kadri comes close to that conversation. The rest uh, of the guys. I, the goals are great, but he has like 13 assists. He does. So. But when you get into the conversation of pushing for 60 points, I, I think that's, you're talking about a primary producer there. 
That's and fair. That's you're you're right. With someone like Burakovsky or Donskoy or whoever, you know, you're asking them to to be effective every other night at most. And well, I mean, ideally a little bit more than that, but if they are effective every other night, you're not complaining about it. With Landeskog, with Rantanen, with McKinnon, you know, okay, maybe it doesn't have to be every night, but three mm-hmm. out of four, four out of five. Yep. Most nights you need those guys to show up. Hundred percent, man. So you've got to have you're you're paying those are your three highest paid players. Yep. Like even even with Landis Cog's contract as as it is right now, those are your three highest paid forwards. I should say forwards because uh, Eric Johnson exists. Makes, yeah. yeah, he makes more money than Landy for two more years. Um, but they need to be they need to be your leading producers. And if you make a trade, you know you go out and you get one more, uh, one more top six forward to. To, to help out and to, to kind of fill the, and round out this group and, and fill that role. They, they need to do it too. Yeah. Right. They, same, same exact thing there. It scoring by committee is something that can work. Arizona has been doing it for years. And <laughs> while they haven't made the playoffs with it, it, it functions. Yeah, but it, it can function to a certain extent. You can get by with it. The main issue is when it's not consistent. And and for the abs, it's just not consistent right now outside of Nathan McKinnon just doing absurd things. Right. And like Kale McCarr has come pretty close. He's been he's been close to a point per game, but it's unfair to expect a rookie defenseman to continue that. Right. If it happens. Great. But it's not something that they should be like, oh, this is. This will totally continue. <laughs> that should yeah. not be their mindset. Exactly. And and as you said, you get into the playoffs and it's just Nathan McKinnon. That's a real easy thing to game plan against. Every team in right. the league says, all right, we will shut him down. What completely. happened last year when it was just Johnny Gaudreau? Right. They'll take their chances. Whoops. They'll roll the dice on everyone else not showing up if all they have to do is shut down Nathan McKinnon. Yep. So – that that's one of the major factors to look for going into the second half as we wrap up the show here. AJ, it's been a good day. It's been a good couple of days. It's been fun, Looking man. Forward to the rest of this week as well as we, we get have into stuff planned for the next yeah, two weeks. I'm saying some some unannounced things that we've been working on behind the scenes, and you and I are going to be doing some video game streaming. Yeah. And we are going to have some guests on the pod and we are going to talk draft and prospects and analytics and all kinds of stuff, man. Spring break is going to be great. Dude. I love my job. Me too. That's all. That's all I got to say. So we'll get on out of your ears here as always. Thank you for listening and you will hear from us again tomorrow. The Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations. Head to the one nearest to you or check out their app. You can go to mygreensolution.com and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Get it set up for express checkout and be in and out of the store in minutes.